Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And it's Clyburn who arrives. There's danger here. Clyburn. Oh, he's missed it. Dalton lost it there. Here's Zenden. Oh. Overmarch with the shot, and Given has to parry it away. Overmarch tripped by Gary Kelly. He could get sent off if he's not gay. I think yeah, he's gone. He is, he's gone. Oh. Duff in close attendance. Keen is fouled. Duff helping it on towards Finnan. Finnan facing Kaku. And a little cross in there, and it's come through here. Magatia! Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, Jonathan Wilson is with me of course, and with us is Dion Fanning, presenter of Ireland Unfiltered and writer for Joe. Dion, pleasure to have you on the pod. Great to be here guys. Yeah, well it's great to be here because we're in Dublin. We are. We're recording uh, in Dublin of course. Now, uh, for this uh, podcast we go back to a World Cup qualifier in 2001. It was Ireland 1, Netherlands 0 of course it was. Dion, why did you choose this game? Um, this is uh, a defining game, I think, in, in the history of Irish football. It is, uh, I would describe it as the end of innocence. It was the last <laughs> time that Irish football felt uh, united and all f- moving in the same direction, uh, t- harnessing the kind of the 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 great aspects of the Irish football and then the kind of wildness. It was it was one of the last great games or one of the most notable last great games in, in the old Lansdowne Road um, because Ireland entered into a trough after that. But it was it was a wild uh, 
day, which in my in my memory of it is kind of you know a, a great performance by the Ireland team, and then you look back at it <laughs> and you're like, you know, there was no nobody played any fortuitous. Maybe. Nobody played any football here, but because of what there there were moments in it in, in the context of the game, there were moments in there was a, there was a famous picture taken by photographer Rain O'Sullivan at the end of the game when Ireland won of Roy Keane walking off the pitch and Mick McCarthy running on to celebrate and Keane just heading down the tunnel despite mm. this famous Iron victory and, and McCarthy stretching out to uh, shake uh, Keane's hand and Keane uh, half-heartedly leaning back and touch, kind of basically touching hands uh, and this became the because th- this this group had been had be, had taken taken place with this with this undercurrent that Keane and McCarthy didn't get on and this was disputed and you know and 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 dealt with in in the in the classic kind of cliche terms of football we don't all have to be best friends uh, to have a successful football team but that was this was September 2001 and then we know what happened in May 2002 uh, and so, and so this the, the, the straight line between this and Saipan and then everything for what it's worth in Irish football Irish football has essentially been living the same day over and over again <laughs> since then because as we sit here Mick McCarthy is the Ireland manager again uh, you know these you know John Delaney's um, John Delaney who rose to prominence on the back of Saipan has, is, is finally disgraced because of, of uh, his behaviour as chief executive of the FAI um, so this seems like a moment when for the last time uh, the golden age of Irish football, which, and we'll get into this maybe as a backstory, uh, the golden age of Irish football was kind of coming to an end because there was a golden age between 1988 and 1994, and this really does mark the end of it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a, it's a strong start. I mean, it, it was an, an incredible game, which we'll talk about in a bit. But, but you know, Ireland at the time, they... they you know, as Dion says, there was that golden age. And well, it's it's interesting you saying that because it's also, uh, it's the end of, I don't know if it's the end of innocence for Dutch football, but it's certainly the end of something for Dutch yeah. football. Yeah. That the, you know, the great Van Gaal Ajax team in 95, they should have been reaching maturity here. Mm. And yet you look at that starting lineup, not many of them in that team. And obviously two of them are, 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 are serving drug spans. Yeah. Uh, the, the Frank de Boer and Edgar Davids. Edgar Davids was actually at the game in the stand. Uh, were, were banned for having, yeah, they had uh, high anabolic levels, mm. uh, which I, I don't think the truth that's ever quite been teased out. But they they certainly served a ban. They did. Um, and it's you know it's it's <coughs> not it's not Van Hal's Ajax, but in orange shirts. It's, no, it's, it's not what the Dutch seventy four were that they were the great young Ajax. Wearing orange and you know, with a couple of final players to bolster it, and a couple of PSV players, and to then they end the game. Holland end the game famously with four strikers on the field, <laughs> just right. like Van Hal having abandoned every principle and just said, "Let's get every. Let me find any any strikers at all I can see. Any fours, we'll just put them all on because we'll score somehow." Yeah, well, I, th- I think in Van Hal's. Um, I mean, this is, yeah, obviously we're going to focus on Ireland more here, but I think Van Hal's position here is it's sort of the end of his innocence that he's. He's had the very successful time at Ajax. Mm. He's been really battered at Barcelona, despite not doing too badly there. And this, I think, is when he really starts to... He'd started to doubt his principles towards the end of Barcelona, mm. the end of his first spell at Barcelona, that he'd started to toy with playing with a, a, a proper back three and wing-backs because he'd, he'd realised that when teams were overloading against them, they needed to get more players high up the pitch. And this, you know, he plays essentially a 4-2-3-1. It's mm. not the 4-3-3. He's, play, he's playing Clivert just off Van Nistelrooy but they occupy the same space on the pitch and get in each other's way. And that's not 
That's not Van Hal at all. Van Hal's all about positioning. It's all about getting the spread across the pitch. But do you think he do you think he panicked going into that game then? Because the Dutch needed a win uh, in a group that contained Portugal, obviously Ireland, Netherlands, Estonia, Cyprus, and Andorra. So there's there's, there's three easy ones there. It was always going to be mm. Portugal, Ireland, and, and Netherlands. Well, yeah. I mean, I have to say, I'd I'd slightly misremember the game, and in my head, it was the final qualifier but yeah. it, it, it's actually it's not is it that no, but it, 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 it's because uh, Ireland still had they played Cyprus at home yeah, yeah. Which, which you know and, and so a draw a draw was going to be enough uh but there was still just a chance if they won they could pick Portugal for top of yeah, the group but, yeah but if they lost they were out yeah uh-huh. yeah so it was a very which very nobody crucial. which Van Hal uh didn't really consider like he was asked about when he was asked about the prospect of defeat before the game uh, he answered it in terms of Ireland. Yeah. He answered yeah. in terms of what it would mean for Ireland if they lost. So Sound like Van Hal to <laughs> behave in such a manner. Uh, but, 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 you know, the Netherlands, of course, 98, uh, fin- you know, reached the semi-final and only just pipped um, by Brazil in the semis on penalties. Euro 2000, got to the semis again, but really were disappointed. I'd lost on penalties. I'd lost on penalties and were disappointed that they, I mean, they should have got past Italy in that semi. But there, I mean, there was a sense of a time the Dutch were one of the great teams. Exactly. One of the great teams in waiting. They hadn't mm. quite done it. They've twice been denied, as you say, in mm. very, you know, very close semi-finals. Yeah. And would I be right in saying that Ireland hadn't qualified for a, for a major since 94? That's right. Yeah. Well, Ireland had this run where they qualified between 88 and 94 for mm. three out of four competitions. Which they're, their first ever tournament. Yeah. yeah. And then they they missed out in 92, but there was three out of four. So there was this sense of expectation. Uh, and then they missed out in 96 in, in the, uh, losing to, to the Dutch at, at Anfield yeah. in the playoff, which was Jack Charlton's last game. And then Mick McCarthy came in and tried to change things. Even though he was seen as the son of Jack, he tried to change things. He played three at the back, most uh, infamously, if you like, playing Roy Keane as a centre half against uh, Iceland when... Uh, he, some journalists encouraged uh, the crowd to boo Keane because he hadn't been showing up for Ireland matches. So Keane was booed by a section of the Ireland supporters in that game. Uh, they didn't qualify. Lots out missed it in a playoff to Belgium in, in 97. In 99, Ireland were leading in Macedonia with, I think, 11 seconds to go. And if they'd, if they'd uh, held on, That's they would have right, yeah. qualified. And Macedonia scored from a corner. Ireland went on to a playoff, two-legged playoff uh, against Turkey, the second leg, which was held in Bursa to make things as difficult as possible for uh, the FAI, who presumably didn't look to kind of charter a plane. I was on that trip, and I remember we, we flew we flew to Istanbul, then got a hovercraft. <laughs> I'm serious. A hovercraft across the Sea of Marmara, and then drove for an hour and a half to Bursa. And we were on the same... That was the same we were with the players. Uh, and I clearly so obviously Ireland lost that game ended in a, a mass brawl on the field mm. uh, Tony Cascarino was, was sent off um, and I remember making the reverse journey that night after the game and touching down in Dublin airport at five or six in the morning and standing this is <laughs> standing beside Roy Keane on the bus taking us from the air from the plane back to the terminal <laughs> and I remember looking at Keane and thinking I wonder like yeah, what, if, what could I say to you here that would just lead to like an incredible because I've never seen you know that face of, of thunder yeah. which you we're know. all too familiar yeah, with we're all, can you imagine what it's like after a, you know, a nine hour train but, you know, journey by, by uh, bus hovercraft and plane yeah. and then you're and then you get to the airport and then you've got to actually have a- anybody fancy breakfast at Harry yeah. Ramsey yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then you've got to get a bus. You've got to. Get, they don't even have anything waiting for you. It's just like you get on the bus with everyone else. Yeah. So. Uh, in that context, Ireland went into these World Cup qualifiers and they were drawn, you know, you say that there were three teams in it, but they're drawn against Holland and Portugal. Yeah, this yeah. seemed, this was like, it, was, it, was, it seemed like impossible for Ireland. Uh-huh. And then their first, the way the, fix, the way the fixtures were negotiated, they, they played Holland and Portugal away first in their first two games. But should have won really in Amsterdam. In they should have won. Uh, because Ireland were unbeaten in that group. Yeah. They won seven and drew three, yeah. same as Portugal. Yeah, no, they were, it was impressive. Uh, no, they were very impressive. But the team was coming together. The, he had brought in Robbie Keane and uh, Damien Duff at the, at the towards the end of the... Uh, uh, they made their debuts in 98, but they came through in the in the campaign before that. Keane came through quicker than Duff. But by, he was, he was, by the end of that campaign, he'd started with Duff and Keane as, as up front. And... Uh, they were coming through. There was a, you know, so there was a bit of excitement about the Irish team. And then Keane, um, like when we talk about the end of innocence, you're also talking about the final two years of Keane as the player. As you know, he, he got his uh, he got his injury subsequently. He got the injury that he went when he he his hip injury, and he, when he was sent off at Sunderland in 2002. He had with, with Jason McAteer. Jason McAteer. Jason McAteer learns to write. Yeah, shop. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Roy and Niall Quinn walks out to shake Roy Keane's hand to make peace on on the sideline, uh, and Alex Ferguson tells him to fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> another great another great day in the history of Irish football. Um, and uh, at that moment, but anyway, Keane had that hip operation because he was suspended, and when he came back, he was never the same player. So this these last two years between 2000 and what we thought was going to be the peak in 2002 at the World Cup. This was Keane mm. uh, at, in his prime. He had Well, this game, I think, I think I'm right saying, was his ninth last competitive international. Yeah. Which is extraordinary, really, when you think about it. I mean, yeah. he, he would have been, what, 31 in this yeah, game? Yeah, 31. But you see, even again, then, we go to the playoff, and you're know, jumping around a bit, where you go to the playoff, and the great advantage of this group was that the playoff wasn't a European playoff. It was a playoff against an Asian team, so there was seen as a greater chance of qualifying. Uh, but even that then became, <clears throat> you know, shrouded in this sort of, this sort of air of a, what is the relationship between Keane and the rest of the players, because... Ireland win the first leg against Iran in Dublin 2-0. It's Chiro Blazovic's Iran. Yeah. Well, not any old Iran. <laughs> Iran managed by a bonkers old Croat, Bosnian Croat. And Keane decides, Keane decides that the second leg is, is too much for his body and doesn't, and doesn't travel to Tehran and leaves on the Sunday morning uh, after the Ireland play on Saturday night in Dublin and on the Sunday morning he leaves and when the players uh, come up and wake up Keane is already as Keane is already gone, uh, and he sees it as totally justifiable. They've got a positive result. He's not r- able to play these. You know, he's he's nursing himself at this stage. But again, there is this, there is this division, uh, mm-hmm. and then that and that and that directly leads to. Uh, to Saipan and the hotel ballroom and Mick McCarthy talking about picking and choosing your games, yeah. which Keane reacts furiously to. So this is the last moment when there is at least the pretense of unity. Um, and there is Keane, at, at, for various different reasons, at, at, in his prime. Um, and uh, he is seen as... And you talk about the Holland game, to go back on that, when Ireland threw that, threw that away... There was still a lot of delight. McCarthy was very happy. Was it two nil up or twenty five minutes? Two nil up, yeah. And uh, and McCarthy came out afterwards and stressed how positive this was. 
Keane came out afterwards and said, uh, we need to start giving ourselves a bit more credit. So there was this classic Keane uh, character, uh, caricature in some ways being formed of Keane, the professional, Keane, the person who always wants more, Keane, who isn't happy to go along for, you know, the sing song. Uh, it was a cliche. I don't think it really got to the truth of what Keane was about. And, you know, and we, uh, but I think there were the way he was changing in his personal life uh, was probably uh, had more of a profound effect on what he was doing. Because, you know, and I've written this, this I've written about this in, in the blizzard there. Keane and his relationship with drink was altering hugely over these years as well. And he was becoming somebody who having uh, drunk to excess was removing it from his life. He drunk, you know, and his, his drinking was to such an extreme that, uh, you know, Alex Ferguson at Manchester United said, if any, at one point said, if anybody is seen drinking with Roy Keane tonight, uh, I will find them. So that's, you know, you're talking mm. about the captain, like we look back on it now and it seems inc- crazy, kind yeah. of, but that's what was happening as with the captain of Manchester United. He was coming through that he was changing, and I believe that this idea of him, you know, the ultra-professional who doesn't celebrate uh, draws or even that after the Holland game doesn't, you know, is, is heading down the tunnel, that was more to do with Keane trying to maintain an equilibrium in his personal life mm-hmm. than being the arch-professional, being the person who sets the standards. Because, you, 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 like, on the back of this, like, Ireland went crazy with this idea of Keane. Keane was seen as an emblem not just for a changing football team, but for a changing country. You know, this is, we are now the Celtic Tiger. We are making money. We're no longer just uh, the poor man of Europe. And Roy Keane, you know, you, you, would, you would read these takes, you know, regularly that Roy Keane's demand for ultra-professionalism is what is, is, what is you know, is, le- is in the vanguard of this changing Ireland. And when, in fact, uh, I think there was it, was, it was part performative because Keane liked this idea of, of the person who was never satisfied and it was part just psychological from his own point of view just to keep things on an equilibrium which he was doing at that stage imperfectly and then when he got to Saipan the equilibrium didn't last it was smashed into bits (laughs) (laughs) alright let's have a quick break and then after which we'll talk about the match Kapuda try and shoot here's Van Nistelrooy Gibbons out of his goal Van Nistelrooy's denied and side net Side net from private. Oh well, two big misses from him today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Welcome back to the greatest games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Now then, gentlemen, we we, uh, we, we come to the match itself. It was uh, it was a pleasant day in in, in Dublin, and uh, and the, 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 if you look at the team sheets, as, as you've already said, uh, Dion, you know it's a decent Ireland team, but it was a decent Dutch side well, as well. Well, it's not that decent Dutch side, but Reisig Reis is injured as well. But some of the personnel they've got in there. Yeah, but one of them's Kevin Hofflin, so it was not that decent. A side. <laughs> but you've got you've got Van der Sar, Yapstam. Van Bommel, Koku, Cliver, Van Nistelrooy, Overmars. Overmars. I mean, it's, it's not that bad, is no, it? No, no, it's, 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 it's a good side. It's a side that probably should win the game. Yeah, but it, it, I guess my point is it's, it's not... It's, yeah. In 1995, when Ajax won the Champions League, mm-hmm. and if you'd said to somebody, pick me your ideal Dutch team going into the, you know, the third last qualifier for the 2002 World Cup, this isn't the team they pick. No. Um, so it, it's yeah, it's 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 a but yeah. Look at the island team; it's a good team. It is, but that Dutch side shouldn't. Uh, okay, well we'll go. So the the, the match. I mean, were were people in Ireland hopeful, uh, Dion, going into this match, or, or were they a little bit wary of of the Dutch threat, so to speak? Um, I think they were hopeful, but because I think there was always, especially at that time, there was always hope. Uh, like Ireland had got a you know. Traditionally, got good results mm. at Lansdowne Road. They had beaten Yugoslavia a couple of years before. They'd beaten Croatia. You know, they did beat teams uh, at, at Lansdowne Road, and there was just that sense of the, it was an intimidating. It was a really unpleasant place to play. Yeah, but they uh, had those those games that you spoke about in the first half, the playoffs, the, the disappointments. Hadn't qualified for a tournament for, for a few tournaments. Yeah. So that's in the back of the mind, is it not? Well, it is. It, it, no, it is, and. Uh, 
it, you know, and when you, when we get into the game, you like you know the way it went, but it, it'll probably confirm those those fears because but but there was always a sense, and this lingered for years after this. You know, whenever like when Ireland, as I said, you know. Hit a, hit a trough after this, or went into a trough where these games didn't happen. This game would always be clung to as evidence before a big match that you know anything can happen mm. at Lansdowne Road. Is it just me or was the pitch terrible? The pitch was, but this was the pitch was this was, again in my memory the pitch had improved. Like I used to go to Ireland matches during the Jack Charlton era, and uh, we used to have. I remember myself and my brother used to go early. And we'd always we had, always had this dream that one day the pitch would look. <laughs> Like, yeah. would, would look beautiful <laughs> and it would be like an actual football pitch and you know you would go you would walk into Lansdowne Road before the match and you would see this ploughed field uh, and that's how it was in the and, but Jack, Jack wanted that mm. yeah. Jack enjoyed Jack hated he the idea he, he, yeah. <laughs> he hated the idea that a, a, a visiting team would show up and look at something and think uh, look at a pitch and they go, oh God, we're going to enjoy playing on this. He wanted the pitch to be the first <laughs> signal that this was going to be a really, really unpleasant uh, afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you go back to those games, you go back to when Ireland played Spain in, in 89 when they won 1-0 and you look at it and it's horrendous. Mm. Like, it's just, it's <laughs> appalling. So by those standards, this was... But this I reckon about half a chance in the game uh, uh, caused by the pitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a bit, I mean, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get into in more detail, but we, there's, a, there's a bit in, this, um, in the second half when Ireland plays sort of four or five passes in their own half it, uh, Jim Begnan on the commentary going who do we think we are Brazil yeah well, Begnan's have, has, yes. and then Richard Dunn stumbles over the ball yeah. not just because he's Richard Dunn but because the ball's kind of bounced about six feet in the air off some bobble yeah I mean there's various points that but, yeah. Jim Begnan has kittens in that game but, but there was a confidence yes. because of what they had you know what they had done in that group uh and as you say, they were unbeaten in that group. And there were, there was this sense, like when Ireland played Portugal in June, um, Keane, Keane was extraordinary that day. I don't, like this, Keane was fantastic against Holland, but against Portugal that day, I don't think I've ever seen a more complete performance from a midfielder. He scored, he did everything. He really did everything. And nobody really, the difference with the Holland game was that other players like Duff and Keane and Robbie Keane, Duff especially, kind of rose to his standards. Where against Portugal, he just he did everything, and it was uh, it was really like extraordinary performance. And you know, and that that came on the back of a four 0 win in Cyprus, where Keane had you get away in Cyprus, where Keane had scored twice and spent the entire game. I remember I remember somebody doing player ratings for that game, and all the player ratings were based entirely on how many times Keane had bollocked each of them. <laughs> Yeah, because that's what he spent. He scored twice and then spent the rest of the game just getting on everybody's case the entire time. And so there was this this sense that while he was there, anything was possible. And you know, this, the standards were. He had given an interview before the Cyprus game to Paul Kimmage, where he talked. He, he attacked the FAI for for being in first class while they were they were in in, in economy and all these kind of things. So these standards were rising. He had, this came out subsequently, but when they played in Holland, he had attacked the professionalism of Ireland's setup uh, in the, the, I think the night before the game because they were... uh, in the in the team hotel in Amsterdam, and they were all given, they were all given cheese sandwiches to eat, and Keane <laughs> Keane exploded at this and 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 uttered the famous line, <laughs> uttered the famous line to Mick McCarthy, McCarthy, do you think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank is eating fucking cheese sandwiches tonight? <laughs> 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 so good, 
Yeah. <laughs> Which there's no answer to. No. You know? <laughs> but he had Because <laughs> he isn't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we get to Keenan even more so in, in a short while. But he, he has some fair points, though, or fair gripes, shall we say. Well, Keenan sort of is, is then responsible for the first action of a game. Yes. He puts in this reducer on Mark Overmars, mm. to which then brilliantly... Mark Van Bommel responds by putting in a reduce on Kevin Kilbane, <laughs> yeah. which isn't quite like for like. No, but. it's not. And, and well, if you're going to hit one of our small <laughs> and defenceless ones, then we'll do the same to you. <laughs> yeah. But I think, but also that shapes the game, not just in the sense of, of releasing this kind of wildness uh, into the atmosphere, mm. because it's 30 seconds into the game, the crowd are fired up, and the first thing that happens is Keane doing this, and he, you know, he'd but be he, sent off today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's him trying to take the lead, yeah. isn't it? That's him putting. It's, it's the equivalent of his... Vinnie Jones on Steve McMahon. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. exactly. But then you see that the player who's most angry about this is Patrick Clivert, who's furious at mm. this foul and is shouting at the referee and is led away by the Dutch players from the referee. And minutes, seconds later, Clivert has yeah. the first chance. Well, and, and people... Gary Kelly is tackled by the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Presenting the ball. <laughs> yeah. But uh, friend, uh, I know people who insist that Clivert's was, brain was still scrambled by the Overmars tackle. Yeah. And because, you know, the, like you know, the pitch also plays a part in him missing it, but it's such a simple chance. Yeah. By, by so Clivert's yeah, he, 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 you know, Gary Kelly right back loses the ball, mm. partly because he's sort of, the pitch has sort of taken it away from him. Clivert bursts in the box. He's sort of to the left side of the box, but it, he, he's essentially he could go either side of the keeper. And it's a classic sort of Clive at rolled finish, except it rolls two or three feet yeah. wide. Mm. And but yeah, and the pitch, and I think his. And I own. even think that miss. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's easy to say in, in in hindsight, but you must start to think if Clive's missing them, maybe maybe it's our day. Even well, it, then, well, it's yeah. one of those ones, isn't it? As you say, that the, the the better side have a glorious opportunity, and they and they don't take it, and they're this, but they they need to win the game. Mm. So suddenly there's that extra pressure of. Oh, I, well, I guess the, is yeah, it going to be one of those you say, days? For yeah, us? they need to win the game, and Ireland are okay with a draw. But yes, Ireland still did have the chance of topping the group and not needing the playoff, mm. so they needed to win for that. Yes, so I, I'm sure they'd they'd have taken the draw. Yeah. Because Mick McCarthy would take a 1 1 draw in any circumstance. He would, he would right? have bitten your hand off. <laughs> yeah. He, Even if it meant 20 years third. later, he's still <laughs> biting your hand off 1 1 draws. <laughs> one, one draws. <laughs> so nothing has changed. As yeah. you say, everything, you know, it's the same day in Irish football over and over again. <laughs> but except this time they win. Yes. But so Clive misses that chance. And then, and then, and then soon after. It's a Zenden chance. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a long ball over the top. Yeah. Uh, where. Is it, is it fair to say Steve Staunton's exposed as a centre-back? Well, this is the other thing, because Staunton had come in as a centre-back against Portugal because Gary Breen... A 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah, a 1-1 one, one draw, <laughs> uh, which he would have he bit your hand <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, Staunton came in and played centre-back and you know was, was rusty and shaky and sort of managed to kind of stumble through it. And again, that was the story of this match too, you know, where you're looking at the centre-backs going, there, there, there is no chance that these centre-backs keep this this Dutch team mm. out. And then, you know, as you say, like a long ball where Zend again, and that's that's a that's a great chance as well. well, it is yeah, well again, Jim Beglin on the commentary says that he, think, he thinks it was a worse miss yeah. than the Clive one. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a long ball. Zenden, the ball banks it up quite nicely mm. for him. So it gives pitch, him only one option. The pitch isn't even an excuse. Givens come too far, he's in no man's land. Yeah. Just knock it over mm. him. And Shea Given... Is what is, is he six foot? If he's six foot, he's only just six foot. Six foot, yeah. He's he's not. A he's tall one of these people keeper. who says they're six foot, 
Yeah. But they're probably five, See, foot, I, five I, foot 11. I, I wrote him off in his, during his loan spell at Sunderland, where he kept on like nine clean sheets in a row. And then he was responsible for two goals that Watford scored in a 3 3 draw at Vicarage Road. Yeah. And he basically, every time Watford lumped the ball in the box, he panicked. And mm. I thought, that young man's not going to make it. <laughs> and I think <coughs> I was vindicated. At Sunderland, um, he wouldn't have made it. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, Vincenzo just sort of half heartedly sort of side foots it into his chest. Yeah. But again, though, after those two chances, and they come in pretty quick succession, and it's fairly fairly sort of early on in the first half, Ireland are thinking, oh, we got away with another one. And the, and again, what is the Dutch mentality there? They're thinking, all right, well, we should get more. But then, of course, as yeah, the but game see, I, I think to... then the, probably the, the semi-final against Italy a year earlier starts yeah. to play on their minds. Well, this so is it. Because the same thing happened there. They yeah. missed chance after chance after chance Ooh. after chance. By the end, they couldn't score a penalty. Yeah. And once once that's happened to you once, you must it must get at you that yeah. oh god we're doing it again. Uh-huh. I don't think Ireland threatened that much in the first half. Well, at they, all. I mean the only other chance in the first half was was Richard Dunn giving it away to to Overmars, mm. and then Given actually makes a really good save, mm. low to his left, and also Van Nistelrooy's coming in. He manages to push it away from Van Nistelrooy. That's right. So mm. that's a, I mean I. I I'm mocking given, but that's actually really, really good. Save. Yeah, that was a good save. No, but, but that's it in the first half. Ireland mm. don't threaten. The Dutch should be at least a goal up. Yeah. That's that's that is the first half really, and so again you get in a half time. A but, but but that was as you say, like the you know from the position of biting your hand off for a yes. draw. Uh, this was now we will we will we, Ireland will be blessed to yeah. get out of this game absolutely because even though you, you in hindsight we say okay this puts doubt in the Dutch's mind but like. The fact it's that putting I, doubt in the Irish mind, right? the Irish mind that they were contributing so greatly to yeah. every yeah. every Dutch chance that there was just this sense of mm. uh, there was this sort of shambolic defending at all times. You kind of think this is not going to to last. Yeah. Um, but the one thing again that is this, and even though there aren't chances, the one thing that is becoming the the, the other story of the game is Keane doing that thing that Keane does, which is <laughs> every you know. Just that the intelligence he had as a footballer, which you know was was underestimated a lot at the time, mm. just to to take the sting out of situations, to take the ball forward, to hold on to possession, to keep possession. Whether that was sometimes by running with the ball for for twenty or thirty yards, or it was just keeping simple, you know, making simple passes and make keeping things moving, and that in itself begins to sort of. Uh, Change the atmosphere of the game because he 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 has an an intelligence again that was 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 overlooked to do that to actually understand what is required. So it's what is required now is calmness and coolness, and we don't we we can't, you know there is enough panic. You know, look at our team; we are panicking all over the place. I need to you know just reduce the panic, and that's what he does, and it it reduces the panic because of what he's doing, and then it just it it assure it gives an air of assurance. And calmness to the teammates, to the crowd, and that is that is the thing that begins to develop over the game. Then, as well. and, and it's very rare <coughs> for uh, any any national side, especially one of the in terms of population, especially smaller nations, to have a player like that mm. who can really almost kind of, if you like, grab the atmosphere by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. If you see what I mean, and uh, alter, and alter it. Yes, absolutely. So we go into the second half. And uh, I mean, just sorry, talking about Roy Keane. Yeah. I might as well tell my Roy Keane story again. Go on. Just in case there's anybody left in the world who hasn't heard it. <laughs> but Roy, Roy Keane changed the atmosphere. Yeah. When he was manager of Sunderland, there was a game away at Cardiff. <laughs> and I, I think it was in the March. And it was a, we get to Cardiff, it's a bright sunny day. It's quite a nice spring day. Quarter to three. The clouds roll in. Like it's black as sky, you can imagine. The wind's got up. It's like 60, 70 mile an hour gusts. And Sunderland have a wind in the first half, playing with the wind. 
Cardiff can't get out of their half. They literally cannot kick the ball hard enough to get out of their half. And some of them do not score. And you think, oh, no way are we going to hold out. And second half, Cardiff absolutely batter Sunderland. And Sunderland can't get out of their own box. And Johnny Evans is magnificent, you know, taking the ball down, passing it out. And then Roy Keane, who's in one of those phases when he had the big, bushy, prospero beard, wanders out to the edge of a technical area. And I, I was sitting next to you and Roberts in the press box, and we both saw it happen. We both talked to each other about it after. We both saw it. He stared at the clouds till the clouds parted. <laughs> he didn't just change the atmosphere. He literally changed the weather. <laughs> the clouds parted. The wind dropped. He put on 4 for 2 Ross Wallace. He scores the winner. Yeah. And I came out of the, get- out of the ground going... We're not just going to get promoted. We're going to solve global warming. It's like, Roy King can do anything. Well, my fa- I, 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 did, I did a lot of Sunderland games that year when when, uh, when Sunderland got promoted with Keane there. And w- one of you know it wasn't op- moving the, you know, opening the clouds, but one of my favourite moments was uh, at home against QPR, uh, and so QPR got a free kick, and the, the fullback. Did the you know the, the player was fouled and the fullback did the usual thing of throwing the ball ten yards for, further forward than where the foul was, and you know convention says that the referee spots it, and you know you you bring it back to where where the foul actually took place. Keen jumped out of the dugout, <laughs> screamed at the player, saying, "Put it back!" The fullback went up, picked up the ball, and put it back to where it had to go. <laughs> <laughs> so that was you know and at that point yeah so the, even like that, that Sunderland it was it did seem and we are really jumping ahead but yeah. that year I felt and oh, I remember the number of games Sunderland turned around yeah. the last 10 minutes yeah the Southampton Southampton uh, the 3-2 yeah. when uh-huh. Carlos Edwards scored a brilliant goal yeah. Burnley even mm. like David Connolly the bravest man in the world missed a penalty in the first half took another one in the second yeah. half and thankfully for him scored it but uh, Barnsley away did they didn't work down in that game but they scored did they score late in Barnsley, Barnsley when yeah. they left Stokes. That was my other my other story. Oh, Tony Stokes. My other story of that season was because uh, Keane left. Uh, they Sunderland left Stokes and a couple of other players behind because they were late for the bus. Oh yeah, that was Barnsley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and of course Keane and again Keane's history with McCarthy also includes a story from when Keane was a player and was a was a was a was a, a drinking you know a member of the drinking school in the Ireland team and they were on a US tour and he was late for the bus. Uh, that was leaving, um, and he's he you know and some some of this is apocryphal as Keane has acknowledged, but he got on the bus late, and uh, he uh, you know may have been wearing a kind of scarf and you know a little <laughs> Ireland hat and things like this. And anyway, McCarthy is said to have said to him, uh, "Call yourself a professional. What do you, what are you doing? What call yourself a professional?" Where, to which Keane. Uh, is said to have replied, call what you have a first touch. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he misses this, but he's late for this bus. So when he left behind, when he left behind the, uh, the, uh, the players at Sunderland, you know, some of us noticed that there was a, a, you know, a change in approach here. And I remember mentioning it to one of, the, uh, one of the journalists in the press room before the press conference that day in Barnes. You know, Keane missed the bus himself. Uh, so Keane walks in um, First question is uh, Roy. You know, you left the players behind. You, you yourself, have missed a bus once and once and once or twice, haven't you? And Keane again turns mm. to him, eyes narrow. <laughs> Are you calling me a hypocrite? <laughs> <laughs> and spends ten minutes 
explaining to this journalist why he's not a hypocrite, yeah. why even to suggest it would be, you know, uh, one of the most pathetic things you could ever do as a human being. And this, you know, demolition of the character of the journalist who has asked his question. Well, uh, by the end of the answer, actually kind of admitting that he had missed the bus himself. Uh, and But this, you know, humiliation of the journalist. And I remember, you know, Keane walked out of the, uh, the press, press room and the journalist just looked at me and went, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, back on the pitch at Lansdale Road in 2001, uh, not that long after halftime, it was sort of 10, 15 minutes, Ireland are reduced to 10 men. Um, and yeah, it's Gary Kelly goes yeah. to the back of Overmars. Yeah. Absolute nailed on second yellow. Yeah. And so you're talking about the, the, the sort of the calmness, um, despite all those stories, the calmness <laughs> that, uh, that that Keane is, is, is trying to sort of foster within that team on that day. Uh, well, the nerves and the panic must have been raised a level or two after they're, they're, they're down to 10 men. Well, yeah, look them. at what Steve Staunton did next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've got about, what is it, sort of half an hour or more to play against the side who are battering them, quite frankly. Yeah. And, well, no, that's it. And the mood at that stage is, can I, again, not, there has been nothing apart from Keane, really, and maybe Damien Duff that suggests that anything other than clinging on is possible with 11 men now well yeah at half time you'd probably take a draw yeah when that happens you're thinking oh bloody hell you know, yeah. a draw would feel like the, yeah. the greatest win of all time yeah absolutely so it's uh, the you know and beca- because of, of of the strength of the Dutch you just think that a goal is inevitable it doesn't mm. seem like a goal is inevitable and, as and Steve Sutton does his best to give it. he does yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. so it, it, it begins with this sort of six pass in their own half that Jim Beglin's so yeah. furious about <laughs> Uh, Richard Dunn is a, it's not a great pass to him but mm. he do, his first touch is McCarthy-esque shall we say um, Richard Dunn's first touch on that pitch yeah, yeah. you can fill in the uh, so yeah the, the, the ball is lost and then it's chipped forward and the it's the, the pass is far too hard. It's it's Shea Given coming out is going to get there, mm. except Steve Staunton goes running back in. <laughs> a courageous diving header passes own keeper. Yeah. It's kind of like there's something kind of it's like the uh, Pele's dummy in 1977, <laughs> uh, 1970. But, but but you know in the kind of you know let's let's play this one for laughs <laughs> and, as defenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the, he nods the ball beyond given. It's trickling possibly towards the goal in that very much that uh, danger zone. Van Nistelrooy nips in. Yeah, Shea Given as he stands up yeah. blocks Van Nistelrooy, which might be a foul. Well, yes. Jim, and then they stumble over, yeah. and Given pulls him down for sure. <laughs> and Jim Beglin, in Beglin's initial commentary, he says, uh, you know, he doesn't think that Shea Given was deliberately, uh, you know, bringing. Well, George Van Hamilton straight away goes. <laughs> It's unbelievable. And he's just so silent for sort of five seconds as the ball is, is sort of hoofed away for a corner. And the referee just hasn't given an obvious <laughs> penalty. Like it is, it is extraordinary. It's a penalty and sending off. It is a penalty yeah. and sending off. And how, when you, when you think of the uh, outrage in Ireland when uh, Henri's, Henri's handball yeah. knocked Ireland out of the World Cup. Wow, well, Robbie Keane's handball against Armenia doesn't get talked about. Does no, it, it doesn't. No. Okay. no. But, but this doesn't get talked it's about. It's almost like this, hypocrisies at the root this, of football. This, <laughs> But this you, never, hang on, are you calling them hypocrites? <laughs> yes. this, this never gets talked about. This, this clear, this was a, a yeah, clear yeah, penalty. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, how when you look at it again, how is this not <laughs> like there's, you know, it's it's like Shay Given couldn't have been more clear in his intent to foul him if he just you know admitted it to the yeah. referee and said, oh, "Watch me take him out." But uh, they again, get, again, Ireland get away with and, it, and at nil nil, yeah, at nil nil, and. Uh, 
again, the Dutch must just be thinking. Uh, Van Hal is losing his mind on the sideline now. So as I say, this is we sort of. Yeah, see, I, I see. Yeah, this is. In, in hindsight, you see that Ireland got Van Hal at exactly the right time. Late Van Hal wasn't as angry. Late Van Hal mellowed a bit. See that, sh- that and that tells you, ladies and gentlemen, just how angry he yeah. was back then. <laughs> so this this was him where he, he sort of everything started to go against him mm. at Barcelona. Um, and you know he he's he is absolutely raging um, that I mean everything is going wrong. Yeah. It's not really his fault. I mean that's hey, a penalty. No, no, he's, right. he, he, yeah, he's yeah. watched three of the best players in the world miss simple chances. Yeah, what what's he meant to do? Yeah, well, it's, yeah. Send clearly. on more strikers. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's what he did, which he duly did. But then, and then of course, lo and behold, a few minutes after all this, Ireland go up the pitch, and there's the the, the ball's down the right, and I, I forget who puts the ball in. Well, 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 well Keane Keen, 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 Keen again does the, the Keen yeah. takes the ball about thirty yards mm-hmm. uh, down the left hand side, and again showing his passing and his ability was always kind of underrated. I think for United and for Ireland. Mm. Um, but he he, he he draws this thing out of out of a, out of a Dutch attack, and then actually creates, uh-huh. you know, begins you know starts starts an Irish attack, and it makes its way over to. Well, he plays with Damien Duff. Damien, Damien Duff, yeah. and like, Finn, Finn Finn's come forward from right. Finn's come on when Kelly went off. But I presume Robbie Keane went off him. Did he? Is that the change they made? Like, yeah, I think that was that's right, isn't it? Um, so Finn runs onto it, mm-hmm. chips over defence, and and um, and the defence are just not there. Defense, yeah, well. Maketeer is Mel- Melchior had started at l- yeah, Melchior was playing at right back wasn't he mm. and Newman at left back Mr. Melchior mm-hmm. has for some reason moved right into the centre well probably because he thinks there's no threat and Jason Maketeer who I can't quite work out what the reorganisation must have been because Maketeer starts off playing on the right side of midfield Maketeer hadn't started a game for Blackburn for five months at that stage right he was well it was a classic Irish player who's nobody is you know he's totally for, you know he wasn't playing football yeah. yeah. So, like, if the Dutch I, forgot I, about it, um, yeah. it probably is probably understandable. <laughs> We're talk, talking about uh, yeah, Irish football and drink. Uh, um, one of the very first jobs I had in journalism was to go up to um, oh, what's the place called? Uh, a place on the Wirral where McAteer was coaching his brother's mm-hmm. Sunday league team, and so the, the the job was to go up and just interview McAteer as he coaches his, his brother's team. McAteer's mm. dad turned up, who's a character as you can imagine, mm. this kind of old kind of Scouse Irish boxer. Like face all over the place, yeah. the filthiest jokes you ever heard. Um, and in, in the midst of his interview, McIntyre, I sort of said, you know, what, what happened at Liverpool? How come you decided, you know, how come you left? What, what went wrong with with Ulier? And he said, oh, he was getting this in on a Sunday morning. That was just getting in the way of my drinking. <laughs> like you do know I'm recording this and print it, right? Well, yeah, but it's true. You know, people might as well know. But but yeah, basically, all I want to do is have a job and have enough money I can go out and get lashed with my mates on a Saturday night. But Gerard was getting us in at 9.30 on a Sunday, so I couldn't do that anymore. And I thought, well, it's not for me. <laughs> and I say, you know, people would, people would say to you, kind of, you've got this great talent that, you know, loads and loads of people would, would give anything to have your talent, to be a professional football at a club like Liverpool. And they would think, you know, knocking the drinking on the head for, for 12 years or whatever your career is, that's a worthwhile sacrifice. And well, well, they can take that. That's not what I think. So I'd rather play the you know, lower club but keep on being able to live my life as I want. And I sort of thought, yeah, I do get that. Yeah. And then he said to me, and this is, uh, to be fair, Jason McAteer, you know, famously uh, not mm. that bright, but it is a good point. He said, he tells me you've never gotten to work hungover. Well, no, I can't tell you that. He said, what's mm. the difference? 
Yeah, the other thing is as well, the 9.30, like, it wasn't a coincidence that Julia introduced the 9.30 on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Sure, it yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, let's just start. Uh, uh-huh. But anyway, so that's why it's at Blackburn. Yeah. And, the, you know, the Finnan's chip pass comes through him and it, it's a beautiful finish. It's a stunning time. finish. He's completely on his own. Yeah. yeah. But it just goes to show how confident the Dutch were and how non-existent the Irish threat was of scoring a goal, because it wasn't 11 with 11 men, let mm. alone 10. Completely unmarked and s- sort of on the half volley, if you will. Um, yeah, I think, it is. I think you'd call that half volley. Yeah, and side foots it beautifully into the corner. Yeah. It's one of those ones where if he put it over the bar, you'd think, oh, yeah, it, was, yeah. it would be an easy one mm. to scarp. It's a wonderful finish. And the place erupts. Yeah. It goes absolutely mad. They cannot believe that, that they've sort of picked the pocket here. And that's where you see your Lansdowne Road at its best. Yeah. Yeah. Stand behind that goal. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember you know seeing it in football, seeing it in rugby, mm. just singing, you know, what a what a place to be that stand yeah. must be. No, it was, and it was just again, just a, it was alive, uh, and it, it was it was every it, there was a kind of a unity about it. You know, there was just this yeah. wildness everywhere. Like this, as you say, they they picked the pocket of of, of the Dutch team. Um, this the sort of the the incredulity of what people were witnessing was sort of shared by everybody. You know, the players, nobody expected this. And then, the, you, know, the, the, you know, the end, the rest of the game becomes this sort of wild defiance that yes. know, Ireland are going to kind of, you know, hold on. Somewhere. But I guess even with the knowledge that even if you let in one, yeah. it's a 1-1 draw, which you'd have bitten the hands off. <laughs> <laughs> but there is the, one, one more really good yeah. Dutch chance. Yeah. There's a cocky shot that he doesn't really catch. So it bobbles through to, to Van Nistelrooy who his touch takes him slightly wide, which means Given's able to get on top of him, mm. blocks the shot. It's then worked back into the middle. And I, d- I still don't know how Clivert misses yeah. that. Clivert's yeah. sort of six, seven yards yeah. out. The cross is slightly behind him, and somehow he drags it just wide of the post. It's slightly tricky, but again, the player of his quality. But and then that goes back again to Van Hal and his helplessness, because you, yeah. Clivert, the, the game is bookended by two yeah. extraordinary misses. From Clivert, yeah. which, which change everything. Yeah, and, and every kind of clearance out away from the, the island box is greeted <laughs> with, like it was another goal. But that's what know. we're used to, you. that's yeah, fine. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. We can and get the thing behind is, you, you know then that they kind of, you put the ball out of play, the crowd holds the ball for 10, yeah. 15 seconds, <laughs> 10, 15 seconds gone. Mm. Yeah, you don't get that time back. But it's one, it's one of those things <clears> in football, sometimes when you see something happen, when Ireland score, you just think, well, this will finish 1-0. Mm. It's easy to say that, you know, as, as a non-Irishman and, and, it, and with hindsight, of course, but just the inevitability. And I think that's it. It all just came crashing down for the Dutch. They got they, they, they themselves are in full panic mode then. The home crowd are absolutely loving every kick mm. away and so on. And they get over the line. And, and, and as and you yeah, say... Yeah, Van Hal just chucking the forwards on. Yeah. He's an admission of defeat. Well, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the philosopher king has abandoned philosophy. Yeah. I mean, four forwards, Hasselbank, Van Nistelrooy, Cliver and... Uh, who would be the other one? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, you, you've, presumably you've got Zenden and Omar. I don't know what. Um, Van know. Hoydonk. Van, Van Hoydonk, yes, yeah. of course, yeah. I'm just thinking maybe Roy Mackay, mm. but yeah. He was the unlucky man who didn't get on. <laughs> he, didn't, oh, he didn't get on, yeah. <laughs> Amazingly. Yeah. If you're a Dutch striker and you didn't get on that day, you'd, you'd take that personally, I think, wouldn't you? Uh, but they were all on and they couldn't get through and the final whistle goes and it's jubilation. You know, it's it, it's and, and it, as you say, it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest wins in, in the history of Irish. Well, not the greatest, but certainly one of the greatest. Well, say. I think, yeah, but again, because of... Uh, because of the uh, of the context of it, because of where our, our where Irish football had been, you know, between eighty eight and ninety four, and then where they've been trying to get back to, and suddenly, like this was really McCarthy's 
last chance at, at qualifying. Well, you know, and people were people had mixed feelings about Mick McCarthy then, but this was, you know, a team that had grown used to qualifying. Suddenly now there was, there was actually a pathway to the World Cup because you felt uh, a playoff. You know, to beat Cyprus at home, and then there was a playoff against a team that Ireland mm. would 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 fancy their chances against, which was not the case in the in the three previous playoffs. So. Um, this was the moment where you think actually have Ireland qualified for the World Cup. Keane's re- reaction was kind of like this is just three points, uh, while everyone, while the entire country uh, was was celebrating. Um, uh, he was kind of thinking, well, we've only got this is this again, but again in that performative way, and as I I, I feel in a kind of you know a way of him keeping himself on an even keel. It was his way of saying we just got mm. three points. This doesn't mean anything unless we beat Cyprus, etc. Um, but it was the moment when you think right, Ireland have, have qualified for a World Cup and yeah. a World Cup too, which again, uh, let's be, it means a lot more than a, a European Championship. Of course, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they were going to qualify and get into the knockouts, beaten by Spain. The Saipan happened, of course. Keane wasn't there. Blah blah blah. And it was, you know, an, an amazing. Well, that's period. it because the World Cup didn't become. That's why this was yeah. the, this was the pivotal moment because yeah. the World Cup was not the World Cup. Like there was a famous line from Damien Duff uh, during the World Cup after Saipan when they were. I mean, the build up to the first match and you had this long, exhausting week of negotiations. Would Keane come back? All this kind of stuff. And Duff said, in I think Duff said in a press conference, he said. You know, I said to them, this isn't how I remember the World Cups when I was a kid. Yeah. Like everyone had gone to it thinking, we're going to have another carnival. It's going to be another great... Uh, another 1990. Another exactly, 1990, yeah. another orgy of celebration. And instead it became hmm. uh, a kind of sporting civil war. I remember I was out there, but I remember a friend of mine in Dublin at the time telling me he walked down, he walked down a street at the height of it and he walked past about four or five people and a pub and every conversation yeah. was people talking. All you could hear was Roy Keane Saipan. You walk by people in the street; it was what they were talking about. It became so. It, it, this was this was the entirety of the conversation around the World Cup. And then when the World Cup began, it 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 coloured it and it soured yeah. it and it didn't. So it, even when they got to the knockout stages, even when they, uh, you know. Drew with Germany got a last minute equaliser. There was this this sense of what might have been, what yeah. might have been if Keane was there, um, and then you know in, against Spain, Mick McCarthy didn't realise Spain had ten men on the field uh, <laughs> in extra time, which became another. Hey, but he got his one all draw. <laughs> yeah, he did, <laughs> you know. Um. Yeah. So uh, so this was this was the um, this was the moment. This was the uh, uh, and it was a kind of it does seem like my, my favourite moment of that whole day was. Uh, our, our England played the same day England played played Germany in Munich that night. Was that the same, same day? The same day. Mm. And I remember watching it in a, a, a pub in in Leeson Street, uh, and my brother was there as well. And he was on he was on outside on the phone to his girlfriend at the time, who was saying, "You know, you've been at the Ireland game, and now you're watching. Are you going to? Uh, when are you? You know, are we going to do anything tonight this weekend <laughs> apart from you watching football?" And as he was talking to her. Roy Keane walked by, <laughs> and he was heading to the Burlington where the Dutch team were staying to see Yap Stam. And he walked by. My brother said, "I've got to go." Roy Keane has just walked by. <laughs> 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 <Incredible>. <laughs> 
So like, well, this city was exploding with celebration. Keane was kind of just wandering yeah. the street, like just on his own, yeah. wandering the streets. And, you know, for me, that was kind of like, that symbolized an exactly, awful lot yeah. of what, how he was separate from mm. the hysteria. Again, for reasons that weren't to do with, oh, I'm a professional, this was just three yeah. points. Or actually Keane separating himself from a lot of the madness he would have previously have indulged in. And here he was, six hours later, just walking along the street in Dublin. Incredible. Dion, it's been a pleasure talking to you about this. Thanks, Robert. Uh, thank you very much. Um, great to, to, to relive that. Um, Jonathan, a pleasure as always. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. We're back next week. See you then. It has to be one of the most courageous, the most brave, the most committed and ultimately the most effective of Irish performances that we've ever seen. And Mick McCarthy has taken his team, surely all the way to Korea and Holland are as good as I This was a Stakhanov production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.